0: Welcome back to the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, a part of the IDP Army Podcast Network. It is so good to be back with all of you beautiful people out there in the fantasy football world. Um, So, we've gone through quarterbacks. We've gone through running backs, although I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to have to not redo the running back video, but probably add on some addendums because there's some names that have come to light that I probably should have had in the first video or the first podcast. So probably going to have to add some on. So there might be a part two to that one. But today we are going to give a comprehensive look at all the wide receivers. Now, I'll preface it by saying there's no, you know, big, huge, gigantic, game-changing names in this class, at least that don't jump out right away. So, you know, I do have to give that little bit of disclaimer because, you know, I don't want anybody to get fooled here. I don't want anybody to think that um, this class is going to, you know, it doesn't have the top-end guys. But I think there are a lot of names in this class that are going to be relevant for a long time that, like, I think we just need to go ahead and know right away. But but first, before we do any of that, let's tailgate. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to be back. Well, we were at the Senior Bowl last week. It was a blast. Uh, me and Jordan did a recap Um, should be on this podcast channel. I hope you've checked that out. If not, it's on our YouTube at the IDP army. If you want to watch that, um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of like just getting to talk to some of the big names in the fantasy industry. We got to talk to Stefania Bell. We got to talk to, um, Danny Kelly from the ringer. Um, just, you know, got to talk to a lot of people, which was just really cool to talk to, um, them kind of get their ideas and their, you know, where they think the fantasy space is right now, because, you know, what I consider us being small potatoes; those are big potatoes, and just getting to rub elbows with them was pretty cool. Um, and also, I kind of had my eyes open to some of these lower name, lesser named players in this class that I wasn't even really considering. Like, wasn't even thinking like they're going to be relevant for sure at you know the next level. And I'm not gonna lie, my eyes were a little open to some of these guys, so I'm very excited for this entire class. I, I the running backs and the wide receivers and the top end of the tight end class is just so good that I'm just, you know, this is going to be a good fantasy year. I can just already feel it. I know that it's not quite the marquee trade all your 2022 picks for 2023 picks like that. We, you know, had kind of thought it was going to be, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of like depth talent here where there's going to be a lot of wide receiver threes and wide receiver twos on teams where they're still going to be very relevant in fantasy. And I think it's going to be about identifying, who is going to make the biggest impact on their team. I landing spots for this year in particular are going to be huge. Um I you know for CD Lamb, for the Justin Jeffersons, for the Jamar Chases of the world, I think they were going to succeed no matter where they landed. I think there's probably only like a couple in this class that are going to be for sure locks wherever they go and the rest of them it's going to kind of depend on the quarterback they end up with, the scheme they end up in and you know that's just going to be how it is i mean if any of these guys land for for instance with the baltimore ravens it's not going to be great it's not going to be good um they're not really profiling as number one guys they can build into that they can definitely get into that at some point in time but just starting out i don't think that we have anybody that's just ready to go right now but i'm i'm ready to be proven wrong i'm i'm willing to be proven wrong so, all right, let's start at number one. Mine is a little bit more controversial than others um, because I think that there's a lot of people that either are longing for 2021, which that's the Jackson Smith and Jigbas, and then there's the people overreacting to uh, 2022, which is Quentin Johnston people. But I'm going to go with the most steady, reliable you know, catcher in this class, and that's Jordan Addison. Like, look, last year, we were talking about Jordan Addison as somebody and going into this season, even we were talking about Jordan Addison as you know one of the most complete receivers. Now, I will won't lie to you, being six foot, 180 pounds, that's extremely small. So he would definitely have to bulk up a little bit. I mean, you can't teach height, but at the same time, you can get a little bit stronger. Um, but I mean, he has the best hands in the class, he's got the best route running in this class. I just don't see why everybody doesn't see it. Um, He made Kenny Pickett who he is like Kenny Pickett would, was not going to be a first round quarterback if it wasn't for Jordan Addison. I mean, Jordan Addison um, in that year had 1,593 yards for Pittsburgh or for Pitt, you know, that year when he was playing with Kenny Pickett. And I think as this year in the NFL has proven that it was kind of the receiver making the quarterback, you know, I, I, try to hound that on this channel like we try to find out who is is the wide receiver making the quarterback is the quarterback making the wide receiver. In this case, I believe it was the wide receiver making the quarterback. Jordan Addison was you know literally the best target that Kenny Pickett could have and he definitely utilized his entire abilities to boost Kenny Pickett into the first round. I mean, he got, you know, he kind of got there on his own a little bit, but I would say that his stats And his tape would not look as half as good if Jordan Addison wasn't there for him. So I'm I'm a Jordan Addison guy going into this class. I was a Garrett Wilson guy going into last year's class. I just there there's some things that you just can't teach. And I I know that Jordan Addison possesses exactly what you know you would want from you know a potential wide receiver two on a team. Like I, I think if you pair him with You know, put him on the Bills, for example, opposite Diggs. I mean, I think he's exactly what you would want in that number two. He's way more reliable than Gabriel Davis, and he he can run all sorts of routes. He's not just like a down-the-field, you know, beat guy. He can run all sorts of routes, and I think that that is what's going to separate him from a couple of these guys in in this class because I think, you know, other than maybe JSN, you know, route trees are pretty limited – at least when you're looking at their college tape. So going to the next level, you're going to have to learn some things that you didn't necessarily have to do at the college level. I'm looking at you, Quentin Johnston. It was, if you watch Quentin Johnston tape, there are some impressive ass plays, but a lot of them are the same little routes. Like I'm just being honest, but um, so I'm going to have Jordan Addison going number one as the number one wide receiver. I think that look, by the time it's all said and done this season, like last season, I'm not gonna lie. I did end up falling in love with you know Drake London. Uh, the Chris Olaves were sneaking up in the world, but you know who ended up being the best receiver this year and probably going to win Rookie of the Year offensively. It's gonna be it was Garrett Wilson. So I, I think we have a similar situation going on here where Jordan Addison is gonna end up being the best guy in this class, I believe. But you know, this year wasn't exactly a banner year for him. He did switch teams, switch quarterbacks, and all that jazz. So. I guess I can kind of see why that happened. All right, on to Quentin Johnston from TCU. Um, he is number two in this class for me. And look, his size is exactly what you would want to see. I will say that if you go back and watch the beginning of this TCU season, there he wasn't particularly like the favorite target for Max Dugan. Um, he kind of like grew, I think, What we couldn't understand watching him was why in the world are you not using a first-round wide receiver like a first-round wide receiver? And on one hand, it could be like, well, you know, Max Dugan's not exactly going to be killing it in the NFL. He's going to be a, you know, third stringer probably at best, probably not going to get drafted until the sixth, seventh round. Um, So you could say on one hand, you know, they didn't scheme it up that way. You could also, if you wanted to, blame Garrett Riley, the, the offensive coordinator for, you know, Why are we not putting our best weapons and the best chance that they have to, you know, make plays? Sure, I would understand that. I would completely understand that. That seems reasonable of a place to put the blame there. But as the season went on, as the undefeated season kept rolling, uh, Quentin Johnston kind of got put into the correct spot for him. Like he ended up being the number one target, the biggest threat on the team. There was flashes of guys like Darius Davis on the team, which we will get to him later. But, like, it ended up being Quentin Johnson as the wide receiver one for TCU, and that's what it should have been the entire time. I don't know why we had to make that so complicated, um, to be honest, because he is just simply, you know, an easy target to throw to. He's 6'3", like 220. I mean, he's perfect for this. So I don't really know why – I don't know why TC, it's, it's not explainable. explainable. His stats from this year should be way better than what they ended up being. And it can't really be stated why that happened. I don't really understand it. I mean, you know, last year he had 600 yards. This year it was just under a thousand. Like it just wasn't, you know, not quite there. I I, I don't know. Um, I've, I've heard the comps out there for like Des Bryant. It's possible. It is definitely possible that he could end up being that good, but we'll see. All right, on to number three. I realize I'm going to have to speed these up a little bit. I'm going to try not to talk too fast because especially the people that probably listen to this at like 1.2 or even potentially 1.5 probably sound like a chipmunk at some points. Um, But number three, we're going to talk about JSN, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigler from Ohio State. Look, in 2021, he had 1,600 yards. It was nothing short of impressive. He was easily the best wide receiver on the team, on a team that included Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. C.J. Stroud really found his favorite target in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it was capped off by a 300-yard receiving game in the bowl game last season or two seasons ago that was just incredible. 2021 was a dream. Fast forward to 2022. Now here (laughs) – Here's what happened. So we got into the first game against Notre Dame. He gets an ankle injury. Yikes. And then he ends up getting a hamstring injury along the way. Yikes. Um, There was plenty of stop-start times this season where it was like, JSN's going to be active for this game against Michigan State or whatever. And, you know, he would maybe play like a quarter of the snaps, didn't ever get a target. Kind of not really what you wanted to see. He finished the year with five catches total. He played in three games. Now, on one hand, you could argue that he proved enough in 2021 to where he wouldn't really need to prove anything in 2022. Why would you need to do that? You saw what he could be at his apex, but don't necessarily uh, need to prove anything, especially if you're injured. Why go back out there and show anything else? even potentially make the injury that much worse and potentially hurt your draft stock even more. But here's the thing. We don't know what he looks like. Literally, like we're going to see, you know, there's people asking me and coming up, you know, and, you know, DMing me and stuff asking like how healthy is Jackson Smith and Jigba. In all accounts, he should be 100%. He was 100%. He could have played in the bowl game versus Georgia if if he wanted to. Uh, he came out and said that he's, you know, the doctors advised him not to. The doctors didn't advise him of nothing. His bank account advised him not to get into that game. Can't blame him, honestly. But at the same time, if you're an NFL team that's going to, you know, potentially put out a first-round draft pick on somebody who didn't play for an entire season, basically, played in three games, but come on, five catches. he wasn't really like he was out there. You kind of don't know what you're getting. He's not exactly a known commodity anymore he was a known commodity in 2021 and we've seen plenty of opportunities where a wide receiver has a flashy one season and then the next season they kind of slide back that's a lot of people's argument about Jordan Addison right now I mean Jordan Addison ended up getting an ankle injury and he couldn't continue on with the season but a lot of people were like well look what he did with Pitt and then look what happened when he got to USC but if you're going to apply that logic to Jordan Addison, I, I don't know how you can't apply it to JSN. I mean, we haven't seen him like his first real game in basically two years is going to take place. His first NFL game—that's wild to me. But same time, I feel like we're splitting hairs a little bit. He is number three. All right, number four, and this is the this is the end of tier one. I would consider all, everybody from here up as a known commodity. Somebody that you're going to definitely be able, you know. Not enough, there won't be any flaws in the game, in my opinion. He's going to be able to fit right in and make an impact right away. And that would be Kayshawn Booty from LSU. Now, I hear you out there. If you've watched Kayshawn Booty this year, there was a plenty of things that you could argue. I don't see it as a first-round wide receiver. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of had the same moment midway through the season. Where I was like, I don't understand how he's a number one wide receiver. He's not being utilized as such. LSU's offense is not exactly a barn burner. And even when they did put up massive games and put up a lot of points, it wasn't like Kayshawn Booty was having those like, you know, two hundred yard games and two touchdowns. Like that was not not happening this season at all. In fact, this season he only had five hundred yards, two touchdowns. Wasn't wasn't really a banner year. But at the same time, I think what we all fell in love with in his game in 2021, which, again, he only played half the season last year, so it's not exactly like we knew 100% what we are even getting then. I think what we fell in love with about him is that he looks the part, he acts the part when he's out on the football field, and if you put him in a different environment with a different team – that he is going to be a lot better, and I actually believe that as well. He has had, I think, three different quarterbacks in in two in three years. Like I don't, there's not a lot of stability there. The coaches switched games. You know, he got Brian Kelly this past season. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's all his fault what happened there. And I think at the next level he will be a good possession receiver that you're going to be able to get those 14 catches for 98-yard games or, you know, 10 catches for 107. I think those games will be able to happen more often, and I think that this is a product of him being in a bad environment, kind of like how in the quarterback section we're arguing about Anthony Richardson being in a bad environment in Florida. I think this past season, KeShawn Booty being in LSU – was actually a big detriment to his game okay so that's the end of tier what i would consider tier one from here on down um and i'll i'll believe me i'll draw another line when we get past the i don't know um these are the guys where i i think the upside is definitely there but they're just missing a piece so i won't go super in depth like i did with the first four but i'll just kind of like talk through you know a couple of them and what i like about their game so number five is zay flowers um What I like about his game is he's a crisp route runner. Uh, He was the go-to target all of his years for Boston College. Um, And I think that at the next level, he could definitely be a good slot receiver. Problem is he's kind of short, kind of small. And I don't think that there's been a lot of success coming from people that are under six foot in the NFL at the wide receiver position. Um, Feel free to prove me wrong if you'd like. I don't think that there's been a ton of success coming from Coming from those athletes, and look, I you know I'm out here I'm out here fighting for the short kings. I get it. There's another wide receiver coming up later that's a little bit shorter that I'm going to be you know all over. But I can't I can't tell you to take a wide receiver that's below six foot in you know the first two rounds of your rookie draft with good conscience because you just don't know what you're going to get. So while I have him at five, it's just because I think his talent's there. I don't really necessarily know what he's going to be. All right, number six, Josh Downs from North Carolina. I do think this is a, you know, another problem with the height. Um, don't want to get too bogged down, but he is 5'10, 175. This kind of, you know, this is a very short wide receiver class. I don't know how else to say it. There's not a lot of guys that are like six three, six, four. We'll get back to those next year. But th- for this season, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with some of these guys um and that's the thing like i think that he is going to be a great slot receiver josh downs is not an outside guy so you're going to be kind of stuck with him playing in the slot and you know potentially playing that like randall cobb role which you know for fantasy and for especially for ppr that was a lot of of points but you know you need him to slot in and be that kind of guy and i just don't know all right on to number seven, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. All right, so we got a one-year wonder here. Um, Hendon Hooker definitely made Jalen Hyatt who he is. He was the McCoff winner, was the best receiver this season, um, and he was a boomer bust player at, at the collegiate level. I was impressed with – every. I mean, he wasn't even on people's radars going into the season um, because of Cedric Tillman there. So when Jalen Hyatt burst onto the scene like he did, it was hard to ignore. And I think that that is going to carry over to how we're going to watch him at the combine, how he's going to be, you know, I think when he gets drafted, he's going to end up with some team like the Cowboys. And I think that there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be more goodwill put into that, you know, because last year, you know, we had a lot of players for the Cowboys that we weren't sure about. We're not sure who was going to be the number two. Was it going to be Michael Gallup? Was it going to be somebody? You know, we didn't know. And I think if you put a, a guy like Jalen Hyatt in there, I think there's a lot more upside to that. And, you know, for that for that reason, I'm kind of excited for him. Um, he is six foot tall, so I guess, you know, he does have the opportunity to break the mold there, but we'll see. All right, next is Dontavian Wicks from Virginia. Here, here's a guy at the Senior Bowl where I left shocked. I was just shocked, mouth open, shocked with how good he was at the Senior Bowl. Um, he looks like a guy that we are sleeping on that we're going to look back in, you know, towards the end of the season and be like, how did we all miss him? How did we not get that he was going to be a big deal at the next level? Um, and I i don't know. I feel like I'm on it early, honestly, with this guy. Um, he didn't, you know, his college career wasn't necessarily like special or anything, but just the way that he looked versus how some of the other wide receivers were looking, I was just like, okay, this we're way too low on this guy. This guy is somebody that you know, you're know you going to want to look at for drafts, especially it's going to kind of depend on where he ends up a little bit, but I just like his profile. He's like 6'1", 220, which is just like perfect uh, body type and everything that will potentially lead to success. I think he's a guy that you're going to have to get. I just I he feels like one of those guys you're gonna be able to get in the third round or fourth round of your rookie drafts and you're just gonna feel good about it. I think by the time we get to the season, the hype train will be off the you know off the rails because he has good hands, he has good route running, his moves like he burnt one of these DBs like you know, super bad. Start stop, just completely shook him out of his shoes. It was insane to watch. And I think that Dontavia Wicks is somebody that we're gonna have to keep an eye on. Um, all right. Next is Rasheed Rice from SMU. Uh, he was off the senior bowl as well. I wouldn't say it was a great week of practice. Um, the last week, last day that we were there, we were gonna talk to him, but he just walked off the field before practice, you know, after practice and didn't even give the media a chance to talk to him. Um, and it was just a bad day. He wasn't one of his one-on-ones. Um, I think that there was a lot of a learning curve, which is surprising because Going into the senior bowl, we kind of thought he was going to be a big winner from there. I thought he was going to come out as being the potentially top guy from the senior bowl wide receiver wise. I wouldn't say that. Wouldn't say that happened. I wouldn't say that at all. I'd say Dontavian Wicks maybe came out top, Tank Dell, who we'll get to in a second, and uh maybe Jonathan Mingo came out better. But whatever. It was it just a bad week of practice. That's okay. Uh, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. He was also at the senior bowl. He, he kind of tra- you can see the trend of the, the guys that kind of shot up the board here a little bit. Um, he was just simply the fastest guy there. And look, I, I know that I'm not one that wants to take a wide receiver in the first round because of their speed, but I will take somebody, you know, I will take somebody from an NFL team that sees him as like a third rounder and wants to make him special. Now that I can see completely. And Jaden Reed kind of fits that bill. He was one of the best receivers there this week. I'd say he was a big winner from this week. Uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma is next. Um, I've liked Marvin Mims. Um, I would say he's very inconsistent catching the ball. Um, I would say his 2021 was a lot better than his 2022. He also changed offensive coordinators, also changed quarterbacks. So you can kind of see exactly why that may have occurred, but some of these balls they was thrown deep and they were right in his hands and he just dropped them. And that kind of like focus, it was a is a mental problem, not necessarily a body physical, can't run the routes problem. So if he could just fix the mentals and maybe get those things, you know, get himself back into mental shape by the time he gets to the draft and to uh the NFL season, Marvin Mims could be a, a huge steal here. I have him really late because I just need to see it first. And, you know, sometimes when these guys get problems mentally, it, it, it's like the yips and the yips are hard to shake unless you just shake them. And he definitely had the yips this season. Um, all right. Let, two more I'll cover. There's a lot more on this list. Um, if you have access to the IDP index, the full list is in there, full explanations, everything is in there. And, um, so, But this is where I'll stop for now. Got Jonathan Mingo from Old Miss. Look, I went in thinking Jonathan Mingo because he was at the Senior Bowl as well. Um, I went in thinking Jonathan Mingo was like a fourth or fifth depth chart wide receiver. I left thinking he could potentially be a number one. And why I say that is and he kind of said it himself when we talked to him. He said he models his game after A.J. Brown. And that kind of just bit of information, I was like, hmm. Interesting because AJ Brown is also 6'1, Jonathan Mingo's 6'1. AJ Brown was 220 coming out of college, Jonathan Mingo's 220 coming out of college. Um wouldn't say they had exactly the same, you know, college careers. AJ Brown was a little bit better, but he also had a split with DK Metcalf. One or two, one or one or the other would have a great game. But the thing about it is, if I had to be honest. Jonathan Mingo might be the seal of the draft, and I'll just be completely honest about that. I think that we're going to – Jonathan Mingo, like, the, Dontavia Wicks, like, really surprised me. I really think that he's going to be something special at the next level. Jonathan Mingo is, like, not even on the radar at all right now. Like, Wicks at least got a lot of big boost and you know, some of these other mock drafts I've seen. He's, like, kind of moved up the board a little bit, a little bit of fantasy you guys have kind of caught on to Wicks. Mingo is literally on his own right now because I haven't heard anybody talking Jonathan Mingo, but if you watch his game, if you hear how he talks, if you see what he wants to look like at the next level, how he tries to get better, Mingo might be the guy to steal from this draft because I just, I don't know. I see a lot of good things in him. So I'm really excited to watch and see exactly where he ends up because it's going to be big. All right. Last but not least, the absolute wild card of this draft, and that is Nathaniel Tank Dell from Houston. 5'7, 180. That size would make you think, what okay, well, I don't get it. What, what's the catch? He led the he led college football in receiving yards this season. He led college football in touchdowns, receiving touchdowns this season, and he is an absolute burner out on the field. I mean, dudes cannot keep up with this guy. So what does that mean? I don't know because you would think if, you know, he did it in college against, and mind you, SMU was not in one of the Power Five conferences, but they did play a couple games against them. Mind you, wasn't, you know, exactly, you know, Going against the absolute best guys, but you would think once he got to the Senior Bowl and were playing against DBs that were Power Five, that you know the regression would kind of come, and which did kind of happen for Rasheed Rice. That's exactly what happened. But Tang Dale didn't. It didn't. It didn't change. He was the same guy as he was at Houston during the week of practice. He was really, really good, and I was quite surprised to see that. Now, I can't, I don't know where to put him. If he ends up on any team, I think you have to give him a look. Because whether it's going to be a punt returner, which is I'm sure is what he's going to start out doing, that's what Darius Davis, who's also on the list, but kind of further down, is going to do. He's going to be a punt returner, kick returner to start out with. But I don't think that's his game. I think his game is being a straight up burn wide receiver. And sure, he's short, but I think this might be our guy that finally like breaks the mold of what we consider, you know, not able to play the position. Because while he is five seven, he plays with, you know, the skill of a six three, six four guy. It's just crazy to watch um, a guy like Tank Dell take over. Um, all right, that's all I got for now. There's probably like fifteen more guys we could get to in this one. This wide, like I said, this wide receiver class. It's really good. I think those like third, fourth, second, third, fourth rounds are going to be chocked full of guys. And like we're going to have to try to, you know, figure out where they lay. Like, landing spots are going to be a little, you know, more important than they ever have been with this class because the you know, second through fourth rounds are going to be chocked full of these dudes. And you're going to need to know between which one of those guys that you are going to want on your team. And I'm telling you, there's the size is going to make a difference because I think some of these guys are going to get bully-balled a little bit. But there's some guys, like, I'm telling you this, I'm just, put this name in your brains, peeps. Jonathan Mingo. He has the size, has the pedigree. He looks the part. He catches the ball well. Like, he is a guy that I think you're going to look back on and wish that you had on your team. So all I got for now, I'm going to leave you out with a commercial for the Ultimate Fantasy Index. So please enjoy this, and I will talk to you all next week. Looking for the ultimate edge in fantasy football? The Ultimate Fantasy Index is finally here. The Ultimate Fantasy Index features the Ultimate Dynasty Index, the Ultimate IDP Index, and the Ultimate Best Ball Index. Each index features tiered rankings that are updated daily, which means you'll have a clear understanding of not only who the top players are, but also who the next best options are. More fun, more football, More fantasy for the culture. Join the IDP Army and start winning your leagues today.